Hey everyone, welcome to the Ask Annie podcast. This podcast is dedicated to providing expert advice and insights on accounting, tax saving strategies, and financial planning topics. A word or two about Annie before I introduce her formally. Uh, Annie received her CPA back in 1995, and after working for such notable firms as Arthur Anderson and HR Block, Annie founded Atlantis Accounting in 2006. And for 16 plus years, her firm has provided comprehensive accounting, tax strategy, and financial planning services to a broad array of companies. Uh, Annie herself brings decades of experience in the space. Annie, welcome to the podcast. And please, if you would, share a little bit about yourself and what makes your services unique and how they stand out against others. Thank you, Phil. It's always good to be here. Um, as you may know, I'm the first generation immigrants. I'm originally from Taipei, Taiwan. I came here to obtain a master's degree. I took a um, leave absence with Arthur Anderson and come here with the possibility of returning, but I ended up staying. I have no complaints here though. I mm -hmm. am uh, American citizens. Um, I enjoy both culture. They are so different and I, I love learning. Um, so I, I think I have no regrets here. While I was in Taipei, I worked for Arthur Anderson. That gave me exposures to Europe and American companies such as SD Lauder and Philip Electronics. With all the experiences, I learned to read public account, public companies, book and records, um, how to present uh, audit reports, point out mostly financial statements in its insufficiencies. And I got the chance to go to different companies um, and talk to their upper executives. It's, it's a very interesting exposure and which makes me realize what I have to learn in my MBA program. After graduated, at the same time, I passed my CPA exam in New York. With Arthur Anderson experiences, I was granted a CPA license in 1995, which I started working for Bristol Myers Squibb in their internal audit department. They sent me over to Europe and to Asia, of course. Um, at BMS, I learned different operations cycles, such as revenue and expenses, plus financial reporting as well. That gave me a different insights to how the company runs and how they can expand their revenue, how do they choose their vendors through competitive bidding, how to cut down their expenses by consolidate different subsidiaries or use the same vendor and to do the distribution. When I decided to start my own practices, I worked for HR Block for one tax season. I learned how to interact with retail customers. I 
learn the billing through HR Block, which I would not do that to my own employees. <laughs> <laughs> I spent so much time, but truth to be told, I wasn't even being paid by minimum wage. Don't tell them. <laughs> but um, but it was a good exposure to me. I enjoyed doing and prepare tax returns for retail clients. And that was the first time in my life I received tips. I was a little bit hesitant, but I accepted it. I mm. think it's very sweet, very kind gesture. Um, so I feel my firm and myself, we have public accounting and also internal audit, internal control experiences with me being a first generation immigrants. I am comfortable to say I'm familiar with Asian and American European culture, how businesses are operated. So I wouldn't be offended if you said that, well, you're such a rude Japanese. I would just laugh. <laughs> um, anyway, I feel my passion is to help business. They want to do well. Um, I, I understand it's not easy to get your business or practice up and running because I've been there. I've done that. Indeed you have. And so thank you for sharing those insights into your background. And, you know, especially now, um, considerations around supply chain vendor management, given what we're seeing in microchip shortages and delays at ports of entry and all kinds of things, companies are in a, a much more focused position around those kinds of factors. So that experience in Europe, Asia, and certainly in the U.S., I think sets your firm apart. Um, and, you know, given your experience and expertise, um, today's topic is really around business structures and what legal entities can be set up. And it may surprise our listeners to know that more than um, more new businesses were started during the pandemic in 2020 than in 2019. And in fact, in 2021, 5.5 million new businesses were launched. And that exceeded the previous record during 2020 of 4.4 million. So it's really evident um, outside factors such as the what they're calling the great resignation and quiet quitting, more Americans than ever are looking for ways to take control of their careers, their finances, and their futures. And often that consideration involves entrepreneurship. So Annie, let's talk at kind of a high level first. What business structures are used when setting up a new entrepreneurial venture? Well, um, right now, the most popular one, I have to say, is LLC. It is abbreviation for a limited liability company. The detail definition, listeners can look it up through irs.gov, and you just type in LLC. They give you a very detailed um, definition on that. It is a state statute governed. That means each state has their own set of rules as well. After you set up with IRS, you also have to go on to the state website um, to set up the state tax ID for your LLC. And then the next level would be 
S corporation, then C corporation. Those are the most common business structures. Partnership is one of them as well, but usually is set up among family members or husband and wife. I would strongly recommend for entrepreneurs to pick any um, business entity to set up. The reason for that is you want to shield your personal assets from any potential business lawsuits. And to set up LLC is not costly and it's actually very easy um, to do. I'm here to help if you um, want someone to set up an LLC for your, for your company or your, your new fund, I guess, business ventures. Interesting. Now, your recommendation is to consider LLC, S-Corp, and potentially C-Corp. What are the various differences and advantages to each of those in your experience? Um, as I stated before, the most common and the common traits, the benefits was to shield your personal assets from potential liability. LLC um, could be treated as individual. Um, if it's the sole owner LLC, there's a no complexity of separate business returns you have to file. You would just include that in your individual income tax return. So it's very easy to maintain. Um, the next level would be S corporation. When you get up, get up to S and C corporation, you have a more tax deductions that you can do on your business tax returns. So that's something LLC couldn't offer. And for C corporation, they could have the possibility to um, go public. It's easier for them to um, raise capital with lending institutions and also offer company shares to employees and take deductions such as employee retirement contributions. And if they offer health insurance to employees, they can deduct that as well. So I would, um, depends on what kind of business you are getting involved, you want to start, the number of owners, the number of initial employees you want to hire, um, then you can decide what structure you want to, um, would be most suitable to your business. If it's just you starting out, I don't believe I will recommend a C corporation unless that um, you are working for a company that you're familiar with how to set up a similar business and you have the capital and you are hiring, I guess, more than 50, 100 employees, then perhaps C corporations is something you want to consider. Remember that? Uh, sounds like, Annie, the dividing line between LLC, S-Corp, and on the other side of that line, C-Corporation, is the number of staff involved. And if you're a solopreneur, you know, 
you're a service-based business, you are a consultant as an example, career coach, whatever you may be, LLC might make the most amount of sense. Whereas if you're looking at building and scaling a business, you want the potentials to have outside investors at some point, and there are you know, a notable amount of employees underneath the umbrella of that corporation. It sounds like C-Corp might be the correct move. Is that all right? Yes. Yes, if you look at from, you know, the number of employees perspective, also you want to look at the number of owners as well and how much the initial capital you want to put into the business. But you're correct, Phil. Interesting. And we touched on um, the DBA, doing business as, and that provides, in my understanding, the least amount of legal protection. And perhaps that's something that people can consider when they're doing something uh, maybe woodworking as a hobby, as an example, going to local fairs and not really intending to do something for profit, but needing to have a business name. What are the other applications for a DBA? Well, DBA is abbreviation um, for doing business as. It's not a legal entity. The benefits for that was, for take my tax practice, for example. When I initially set it up, I was mirroring law firms. Um, I hyphenated my name and with the intention of perhaps getting my daughter involved later on. So I set it up as Hong Skanga LLC. It doesn't really tell people, you know, what I am doing. So later on, I rebranded to Atlantis Accounting, but I have a Hongskega LLC established with IRS and with the state. And I wasn't, I'm not sure um, how Atlantis Accounting would bring to the table, meaning I like the name and I think with accounting in the brand, that should just, it's very straightforward. That tells people outright what my firm is doing or is offering. However, I wanted to give it um, some try. I don't want to just go and um, both be in. That's why I use DBA. So my firm is using DBA, um, is using Atlantis Accounting as a DBA. Mm. Once that's comfortable with um, the name, then I'll probably would dissolve my LLC and make a DBA a formal LLC name. With that being said, DBA is not a business legal entity and it is recommended you still register with the state. The reason for that is I'm testing the water with Atlantis Accounting, this name. If later on I build it up, people recognize the name, but I didn't register Oh, I get where you're going. The name is not protected under DBA. No. Mm -mm. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. So one of the other things that we've touched on in conversations we've had offline is, you know, many clients setting up new businesses investigate states that um, appear to have certain tax advantages, Delaware being one example. Uh, I think Nevada being a second example. And what are the upsides and downsides? Let's say you're a resident of New Jersey and you're considering setting up your corporate entity 
in one of those states or other states with tax advantages. What's the pros and cons to that? Good question, Phil. I got quite a few questions like that. And like you were saying, the potential clients or the clients reside in, in the state of New Jersey or the state of New York, um, they are, they are um, the law, the, the state statute require all the residents to report the taxable income from out of state as well. So even though you incorporate your business in Delaware or Nevada, even regardless of what kind of business resource income you bring to that state, even if they are not being taxed in Delaware or Nevada, they could still possibly be taxed in the resident state. So while before you go, before not you per se, before business owners want to go through all the time and resources to set up an out of residence stay business, that's really something to consider. You don't want to go through all the troubles and you end up having to pay your state income taxes, nonetheless, and that's not worth it. It yeah, just it sounds like simplicity and an understanding of the compliance and requirements for resident state versus out of state corporations. Sounds like that's a pretty important consideration, isn't it? Yes. And if I may, um, you might want to, uh, new business owners might want to consider consult or hire a CPA before they incorporate or start the business ventures. I got quite a few, they already set it up. Um, and then they, once they bring in or the business started picking up, then they look for a CPA to help. By that time, that's a little bit late. <laughs> a little bit late. Hmm? Yeah, indeed. You want to get that expert advice up front. And I think you've illustrated some very good reasons. So let's transition a little bit towards the um, tax implications of setting up a business. And how do the tax filings differ between each of the structures you've outlined? Well, um, I think I kind of shared a little bit earlier. Let me recapture and put in a more um, organized way. For the LLC, if it's a single member LLC, you can file um, a different a separate schedule, but it's included in your individual income tax return. If it's husband and wife, you might think it's still included in your income tax return because you file jointly, not exactly the case. For husband and wife, if it's a LLC, it's being treated as a partnership returns. If you have, after you set up LLC, you decide to elect to be treated as S corporation, then you have to file a separate business tax returns, which is corporate tax returns for your S corp or C corporation. The filing deadline for partnership and S corporations are usually two and a half months after the ending month of your business. Most of business, they chose um, calendar year. That means their last month of the business year, I mean, business cycle is December. So for partnership, 
and S Corporation, usually the filing deadline is March 15. C corporate is April, just like individual income tax, um, individual income tax filers. And most of the C corporate S corporation, they have a more tax deduction ability than single member LLC or sole proprietors. C corporation, they can also set up employee benefit program. They can deduct that but that has to be offered to all the owners and employees. They can also deduct retirement contributions offered to employees and health insurance premium as well. C Corporation also is easier for them to raise capital um, and offer stock options to their employees. So those are the, I guess, top overview for different business structures when it comes to filing tax returns. Makes perfect sense. And thank you for that clarity. And our hope in this session is that if you are considering starting a new business, understanding what legal structure you should set that business up as, um, and you know, consulting a, a person with tax expertise, accounting expertise, and also financial planning expertise is important. And, you know, our goal in today's session was to provide some additional insights and information. Um, but certainly if you're working with an accounting professional, take what you've learned today, run it by them, make sure it meets your unique situation uh, as defined. And if you're in need of some outside help or consultations, uh, we'll post Annie's information in our show notes and you can feel free to reach out to her for some additional conversations. But Annie, thank you. This has been very informative and I think a valuable uh, conversation around how you should best structure a business. So thank you so much for this. Thank you, Phil. It's good to talk about um, what I have passion about and I'm you know, I enjoy to meeting different people. I enjoy to learn how they run their business. I'm just here to help. Certainly. Thank you so much, Annie. And all you listeners, please join us for our next session. And uh, thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend it with us.